Hello and welcome back to Eurofocus. On this week's episode, I will be discussing and previewing all of the upcoming Champions League knockout fixtures following the much-anticipated return of Europe's premier competition. To get straight into the episode, we will be talking about AC Milan versus Tottenham, the first fixture back in the Champions League in the knockout stages. It's quite an intriguing one. I'm really looking forward to this tie, but I feel both sides are in poor form they have been recently. I know Spurs seem to have turned the corner, but the 4-1 loss against Leicester was extremely poor, but I'll touch on those in a second. In terms of Milan, obviously we saw a calamitous run of, would have run of form recently. You know, their 4-0 uh, loss away at Lazio, 5-2 at home against Sassuolo, followed then by a 1-0 derby loss against Inter. You know, they haven't looked comfortable in the new system recently. I know Pioli's been chopping and change, changing his system. There's been talks about him being possibly under pressure for a while. You know, I spoke recently about them. Defensively, they've been calamitous. They haven't got the same attacking flair which they have done for so long. Rafa Liao has been left out on multiple occasions. And whilst they did bounce back at the weekend, a 1-0 win thanks to an Olivier Giroud goal. But I think Milan in general have looked really, really poor recently. I know they, they switched to a five at the back against Inter last week. But they, they looked very... Very uncomfortable in that, compared to into their rivals who, there was a stark difference between the two sides. And as for Milan, it's about themselves trying to gain some form back. Of course, the Champions League is a completely different ball game. You know, you don't you don't turn into a bad side overnight. Of course, they've still got quality players throughout the squad. And I wouldn't put it past them to beat Tottenham, especially with Tottenham themselves on the back of a 4-1 loss away at Leicester. And I think the biggest news from that fixture, of, of course, has been... Rodrigo Bentancur has been announced that he suffered a ACL injury, and we, you know, we we know the severity of that. It, it, that's a long time out, and for such a key player for Tottenham, somebody who through their poor form throughout this season at times has been almost the light in that darkness. But it, it is disappointing for those, obviously, and I think they were calamitous again defensively against Leicester, which is um, it's it, it's surprising for an Antonio Conte side. Of course, when last week they were so resolute defensively at home against Manchester City, I was really surprised to see that result against Leicester, especially against Leicester, an inconsistent side themselves. You know, you, you factor in the fact there was a screamer by Nampalis Mendy, etc. But Tottenham were poor, and I think, as I said about Milan, the Champions League is a perfect way to sort of regain your form. It's a, it's a different ball game to the Premier League and Serie A, but for both of these sides, you know that they're going in with fresh ideas to what they would from the league. And I can't see how this fixture goes, if I'm being honest. You know, we've seen Milan lose against Premier League opposition this season, but we've also seen Tottenham be very poor in the Champions League at times. I think they were fortunate to get through their group, if I'm being honest. But if I was to predict this fixture, I would just about say a Tottenham win, simply due to the fact that they have the home leg in the second leg. And obviously we know in European competitions that can be massive but I think it, it it depends on which side turns up on the day for both teams but as, as I've said Milan have been very very poor since the break since, after the World Cup sorry but I think they seem to have turned a corner after their 1-0 win at the weekend but whether they can carry that on is a different story but if I was to predict this fixture I, I would say Tottenham simply due to the fact of how they do have the home leg advantage in the second leg the next fixture sees two European Titans face off in the round of 16. We see Paris Saint-Germain and Bayern Munich. Uh, 
this fixture itself, I think, is probably the most difficult to predict, as well as being the most exciting. Uh, we've seen PSG in poor form recently. Two losses on the balance against Marseille and Monaco. But there was early excitement at the start of the season under Christophe Galtier. I, for one, imagine those to be one of the favourites to win the season's competition. And of course, you, you can't rule them out. There's, you know, it, there's, it's a well, they're a world-class side. But, you know, Mbappe, very, very likely to miss the first leg. Uh, he's reported to be back in training recently. However, his development on that injury is a lot further down the line than the likes of Lionel Messi, who has returned to training and likely to start in the home fixture against Bayern in the home leg. But I think there's a lot going on at Paris Saint-Germain at the moment. And whilst the Champions League could provide you know, a good distraction from their domestic form at the minute, uh, there's, there's rumours about the dressing room being in a, in a sour state at the moment. You know, There's the rumoured Neymar fallout with sporting director Luis Campos about players' attitude. And I think that on the day, of course, we, we know how good they can be. But the, the Mbappe miss, Mbappe I mean missing, sorry, is likely to be massive in this fixture. And Bayern themselves have seemingly returned to their form that should be expected of them. You know, after after a slow start following on from the World Cups, and they do find themselves top of the Bundesliga yet again. Only one point clear of Union Berlin in second place, but their form in recent weeks has been very, very impressive. Uh, we saw a huge win against Wolfsburg away from home, which they were fantastic. You know, Jamal Musiala, best player on the on the field. Jao Cancelo, what a signing he's proving to be. And it seems to be the first time during his stint at Bayern that Julian Nagelsmann has really got to grips with his side. I think the signing of Cancelo is huge because he brings a real balance to that right-hand side, which they didn't have before with Benjamin Pavard playing there. I think it takes a lot of the attacking impetus away from the likes of Musiala, Sane, and especially Davis on the left-hand side. It allows Bayern to utilise the right flank a lot more. And we saw his fantastic assist for King of Decomans volley last week against Wolfsburg. And I think they've been fantastic. And whilst domestically there they, they, is a chance of a title race this season, they will consider themselves one of the favourites for the Champions League should their team turn up on the day. I think the, the attacking talent they have Obviously, Sane has been impressive all season. Musiala has really stepped up and become one of the main talisman in this team. Uh, we've seen Eric Maxim Chupamoting has turned up when needed following Sadio Mane's absence and obviously the loss of Robert Lewandowski last summer. But I think Bayern themselves will consider themselves in good form at the moment and obviously maybe following on from the disruption at Paris Saint-Germain, it could be the best time for them to face them. And I think if Bayern, the Bayern we know and we, we have seen in recent years turns up, then I think they will walk the floor with Paris Saint-Germain. However, at the same time, PSG are always one of those sides where if, if you catch them on their day, they're a very, very difficult side to play against. Of course, the second leg will be will be massive out, away at the uh, Allianz. PSG will be hoping that they are still in the game, especially with Mbappe returning. Messi hoping to build up some form. But it, for them, it's important that they put this this run past them and really start to build, which I think many imagined them to do at the start of the season under Christophe Galtier, but they really have dropped off. And obviously being knocked out of the French Cup is massively disappointing when you consider the talent that Paris Saint-Germain have in the ranks. But from a, from a buying point of view, as I say, it does seem like the best time to play PSG. And I can really see this being... 
Julian Nagelsmann's side, putting down a marker for the rest of the, the sides in the in the competition. And I can't see anything other than a buy and win. The next fixture we see, not as high profile as fixture, but yet again intriguing. We see Club Brugge host Benfica in the first leg. Uh, we seen um, whilst they had an interesting start to their Champions League campaign, uh, Brugge did. They were, they were fantastic in the group stage. But we saw the subsequent, subsequent sacking of their manager and hiring of Scott Parker. Uh, they, they are struggling to win under the ex-Fulham and Bournemouth boss. Two draws again in a row. But they, they find themselves fourth in the league, 20 points off first place Genk. And for, for Brugge now, obviously they're going to it as underdogs and everyone loves an underdog, underdog story in Europe. But I think for those, it's, it's a case of trying to get the best out of their best players. You know, Scott Olsen has been fantastic for them in, in the Champions League as well as Hans Van Aken. But for those, it's, it's a case of keeping in the, in, the, in the game. And when they can take the game to Benfica and get, and get the best out of their best players, then they, they can cause problems, as we've seen throughout the group stage, when, you know, results against Leverkusen, Atletico Madrid and Porto. You know, on their day, they are a very, very, very good side. But as I say, struggling to win under Parker. They're not, they're not losing games, but... Yeah, again, they're not winning either. That they're finding themselves drawing too many games. They're struggling for goals. Haven't been the best defensively, which is a surprise when you consider how impressive they were in the opening fixtures of of, of the European competitions. As for Benfica, they've been. If you read my article a few months ago on the website, I said I said at the time, they're arguably one of Europe's teams to watch this season. Uh, Roger Smith's doing a fantastic job. Uh, in Lisbon, you know they they lost Enzo Fernandez to Chelsea, which is obviously a key a key loss, and they're definitely not strong as they were with him in the side. But there's still quality within the ranks. They've lost. He had a fantastic partnership with Florentino Luiz, but Luiz himself is somebody who Roger Smith has really seemed to have got the best out of. A player whose development seemed to stall under previous management. But we've seen this season how talented he really is, and him and Fernandez really struck up a brilliant partnership. But uh, the attacking talent they have in that team is very impressive. We've seen them secure the signing of Gonzalo Guedes on loan from Wolves. It didn't work for Guedes 100% at Wolves, but he's a player who, yet again, on his day, can really be a key player. You know, he's been fantastic for Valencia over the years, been reliable for Portugal. But I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him at Benfica. Because he never seemed to fit in at Wolves. He didn't really seem like he wanted to be there in the Premier League. But Benfica themselves, I think, are a really impressive side. Schmidt's system is fantastic. They play brilliant football. We've seen David Neres be impressive. Jean Mario been fantastic in that team. And obviously Gonzalo Ramos, one of the most sought-after strikers in Europe at the moment, alongside the likes of Victor Ozymen. But I can see this being a walk in the park for Benfica. You know, at their best, you know, they find themselves top of the Portuguese league in very good form. Obviously, they lost in their last game in the cup on penalties at White Braga, but I can see it being extremely comfortable for the Portuguese side if they are at their best. As for Brugger, as I say, it's about taking their chances when they can, involving their best players in the game, but going off their recent form under Scott Parker Roger, I can't see anything else other than a Benfica comfortable two legs. For the Portuguese side. So moving back to Germany, we see Dortmund play Chelsea. And as for Dortmund, they've been second to none since their return from the World Cup, I think. From a first time for the season when they were massively inconsistent, 
Edin Terzic really seems to have got the best out of his side, both attackingly and defensively. You know, they've got fantastic talent through the squad. But they were guilty of conceding too many goals in the first half of the season. But now they do find themselves up to third in the Bundesliga, a recent tindling away at Werder Bremen. A sensational return of Sebastian Allaire, which I think is emotional for all football fans. It's something that everybody loves to see after, obviously, recovering from cancer. It, it's so nice to see him back on the pitch and scoring goals as well. And Allaire himself, it, we, we know his quality. You know, you put the ball in the box and you will fall on the back of the net. But Dortmund themselves seem to have massively moved away from their defensive issues that was the key to their sort of inconsistent start to the season. As for Chelsea, I think they're in a, a, a very transitional period now. We've seen, you know, their new signing still bedding in. We saw Joao Felix register his first goal away at West Ham on Saturday. He was the best player on the pitch throughout, as he was in his debut against Fulham. Obviously, he had his suspension since then, but on his return, he was fantastic. He's, he, he he played in a... In a you know, when, when, we seen, when we saw Felix burst onto the scene at Benfica, he played as a sort of second striker, uh, just just behind the centre-forward, but he played a much deeper role against West Ham. He was, he was brilliant throughout, but we know Felix's talent on the ball and how you know he's a fantastic dribbler. He can pass the ball and he can strike a ball brilliantly. He had a free roll. He was um, in the midfield. He was dropping deep to pick up the ball. He was spraying passes. He was an excellent dribbler throughout, and, and then we saw him find the back of the net. And I'm looking forward to seeing him more Underground Potter, especially as the, the signings around him, you know, Michaelian Mudrick, Enzo Fernandez. You know, when these signings bed in, Chelsea will have arguably a world class 11. It's just a case of when, and I know there's criticism of Graham Potter, and I've seen certain articles saying that Chelsea haven't changed. But I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do with this side now. Now it is fully his team. Now there's been players brought in. Uh, but yet again, it's a case of when. Whether Chelsea can this soon, because the disappointing result again against West Ham. I know they should have had a penalty, you know, following on from that ludicrous decision of the surrounding the Thomas Sochak handball. But I think on their day, whether Graham Potter can reach the levels that he should with this side, it could be comfortable. But then again, Dortmund are in a position now where they're in red hot form. You know, Gio Reyna's finding himself within the goals. We've seen the likes of Makuku, Adeyemi, and now obviously the return of Sebastian Allaire. Dortmund are looking menacing at the moment, and I think if they can, if it's a good time for those to play Chelsea, because they're in a position where Chelsea's new signings are still setting in, and Dortmund themselves are in brilliant form. So it's a difficult one to predict in terms of what will happen. If Dortmund can make the most out of the first leg, which is at home, at Signal Iduna Park, you know, it could be comfortable for those in the second leg but then again it's it could go in either way this fixture and I really for the life of me can't predict I think the only thing I'm leaning towards Dortmund is is because obviously as previously mentioned Chelsea's new signings and I just can't see them bedding in that quickly in, into into Potter's system but I am looking forward to, to watching Chelsea in the coming months but I just think this game might be just too soon for them in terms of uh, getting a result and Dortmund's form you have to factor in as well as I say they've been fantastic in recent weeks especially since the World Cup and part of me whilst one half of me wants to see Chelsea's new signings do well of course and go on the later run in the Champions League 
my, my head is sort of leaning towards a Borussia Dortmund win in this fixture, mainly just down to form and the idea of Chelsea's new signings maybe not being ready. We also see a repeat of last year's final as Liverpool hosts Real Madrid in the first leg. Uh, Liverpool playing the Merseyside derby today as a recording. Really looking forward to the kickstart a run for Liverpool. Obviously, we saw their previous loss last week, 3-0 away at Wolves, and they were extremely poor yet again. You know, No legs in midfield. It, it's To compare this side to what they were last year, obviously reaching the final against Real Madrid, which they arguably should have won in terms of chances, you know, there's no legs in midfield. You know, the fact that Stefan Bacetic, who is himself just only a young kid, he's been their best player week in, week out, says a lot about this Liverpool team at the moment. You know, Thiago has, has lacked any sort of impact on the team. Defensively, they've been calamitous. Going forward, we've seen Darwin, Darwin Nunez struggle to hit on the back of the net. Mo Salah looks a completely different player to what we're used to. I know they have injuries, of course, Luis Diaz, Diego Jota, etc., but it's no excuse for the quality within that Liverpool side. But we know how Liverpool can perform in the Champions League. You know They're almost experts at it over, over the course of two legs. But I think the first leg being at Anfield will have a big impact. Because Real Madrid, of course, they've been in poor form themselves recently. But the league title does look out of reach. So the Champions League and the Copa del Rey will be huge focuses for the Spanish giants. It's their only chances to win silverware now. Obviously, they won the Club World Cup this weekend. However, they will always... You, you can never, ever not consider Real Madrid as, as, as one of the favourites for the, for the Champions League. You know, obviously, reigning champions. And on their day, they, they are arguably the best team in the world. But it's... Yet again, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Liverpool turn up because it's the Champions League and they always seem to do that. But my head in this instance is always going to lean towards Real Madrid. Obviously, with how calamitous Liverpool have been this season and the quality that we know Madrid possess. I'm looking forward to seeing it. I'm looking forward to watching this. But I can't see anything other than the than a Real Madrid win, sorry. I think the Club World Cup will be a massive boost for them following on from what has been a poor run recently. You know, we saw them lose in the Supercopa final against Barcelona, followed by a loss to Villarreal, as well as a loss last week to Mallorca. You know, Madrid aren't, they're not innocent in terms of their form recently, but I think the Club World Cup will be a massive boost. We saw Vinicius Jr. get back on the score sheet, and I think they were fantastic in those games, by the way. You know, I recommend watching the highlights to see the goals for anyone listening, but I can't see anything other than a Real Madrid win in this tie, unfortunately. The next tie for me is one of the most intriguing throughout. I think this is, I'm really looking forward to this game. We see Eintracht Frankfurt host Napoli. I think, as I say, it's one of the most exciting ties from the draw. Uh, Frankfurt themselves, sixth in the Bundesliga after a 3 0 loss to Köln this weekend. I think they will be disappointed with that, of course, but Frankfurt are always a test for any opposition. Randall Kolo Mouane has been fantastic this season. He's been mentioned as a possible target for a lot of elite European clubs as well. Daichi Kamada, yeah, again, key in their Europa League campaign last year. You can never write Frankfurt off against anybody. I think that, you know, the setup that Oliver Glasner has got at, at, at Eintracht is it, it sets them up as a tough test for everyone, especially against Napoli, who 
I don't think there's an argument to say that they haven't been the, the best team in Europe this season alongside Arsenal. You know, Spalletti has them playing not just good, exciting football, but efficient football. We saw the, them a comfortable win again this weekend, 3-0 against Cremonese. Kovitska Varaskalia at the heart of things again, and, and what a player he's becoming. He's really announcing himself every week as not just a key man for Napoli, but one of the most exciting talents in Europe. And we've seen them, you know, they're flying at the top of Serie A. Uh, but I, I, I can't, I can't predict this fixture because I, I, my head is always saying about what a tough test Frankfurt are. We see them every, year after year provide a tough test for the likes of Bayern Munich back in the Bundesliga. But we also see, you know, they're not champions of uh, the Europa League for, for no reason. You know, as I say, Glasner's got a brilliant setup there. They play their every player knows their role so efficiently. Lindstrom is a fantastic player. Mario Gertz has returned to form in recent years, obviously at PSV Eindhoven last season, and now Eintracht Frankfurt. I think Napoli that Napoli might be a step too far, but it's it's as I say, it's a very difficult one to call because Frankfurt they will punish you if you make mistakes as Bayern Munich found out in their 1-1 draw. But I think the likes of Gavaric Scalia, Victor Rosiman, I think Napoli's attacking talent will be too much for the German side over the course of two legs. But I'm looking forward to seeing this this tie, I really am. And obviously to watch Kavit Gavaric Scalia again. He's my favourite player to watch in Europe at the moment alongside Leroy Sane, I'd say. I think he's so, his pace, his power, you know, we've saw him rip apart Liverpool in Naples this season. We've seen Victor Osiman, who seemingly scores every single week for Napoli. I loved his header. I can't remember who it was against a couple of weeks ago where he absolutely bullied the goalkeeper. I can't remember for the life of me. They're away from home. I think it might have been against Spezia last week. I'm not too sure. But he absolutely bullied the goalkeeper. And himself is someone who, yet again, is on the list for a lot of Europe's top clubs. But... For Napoli, whether they will take their foot off the their, their foot off the gas in the Champions League to focus on the league, I don't know. But on paper, for me, they arguably are one of the favourites going into the knockout stages of the Champions League, and I'm just going to edge it towards Napoli over the course of two legs. Following on from recent weeks and recent uh, drama surrounding the club, we see Manchester City play Leipzig with the first leg being held in Germany. Uh, Leipzig themselves, excellent under Marco Rosa this season, following the sacking of Domenico Tedesco earlier on in the season. After a, You know, they, they, they were a brilliant side under Tedesco last season, but they've been taken to a complete new level under Marco Rosa in recent times. They're excellent going forward and defensively. I know they did lose 2-1 at home, two second place from Jan Berlin this week in the Bundesliga, but on their day, they will provide a massive test for Manchester City. You know, that Jasko Gvardiol, arguably the most exciting young defender in the world. You know, going forward, they're fantastic. And they provide, as I say, they will provide a brilliant test for City. But City themselves have been inconsistent in recent times. We've seen them beat Villa, Aston Villa at the weekend, 3-1 at the Etihad. But I just, I'm very lost with City at the moment in terms of how inconsistent they are. We've seen a lot of questions about Erling Haaland signing and whether he was right for Manchester City, but he seemed to have silenced the haters with his with his assist against Aston Villa on Sunday. 
But I'm very, I'm very stuck on the fact of how inconsistent they are. You know, we've seen Pep Guardiola experiment with new systems. We've seen in recent times he's preferred to use sort of inverted fullbacks in Rico Lewis bringing his fullbacks into the midfield. However, yesterday against Aston Villa, we saw him use the what is a very similar approach to what Xavi has used at Barcelona this season in terms of having four players in midfield in a sort of box shape. And they completely overrun Aston Villa using that. I thought they were fantastic from minute one. And really in the second half, they once there were three goals up, they didn't have to go and get out of second gear, really. But it also proves the inconsistency again because they were extremely predictable and poor against Tottenham last week. And to go from that to then what they were against Villa in the space of a week, it's quite baffling. And if it, for Leipzig, they will hope that if they catch City on one of their days off, they will punish you as they proved in the Bundesliga this season. We saw them get a draw against Bayern in recent times. And they, they, they will provide a test for anyone that can score goals. They're brilliant defensively, but I can't for the life of me figure out which, which version of Manchester City we're going to get. And that the result of this game is very dependent on that. Obviously, as mentioned, Leipzig are no mugs at all. But if we see the Manchester City that we saw yesterday against Aston Villa, we, we could be in for a, a more comfortable two legs, which is to be expected of City in recent years. And for that, I'm probably just going to edge this tie towards Manchester City, but it, won't, it will not be as comfortable as, as some people are making this game out to be. Leipzig a fantastic side. But because of the quality City have, I think that over two legs, we will see them show up. I think they have to as well. Because the, t- the time for Manchester City to win the Champions League, it is, it, it, it's, come, it's coming now. It's, it's taken way too long for Guardiola to win that. I know we've seen you know, rumours of him overthinking things in, in the latter stages of the competition. But I, I really see it as this season is the one where they can finally make that step and... This is one of the, the more difficult fixtures they, they could have they could have been given, really. Especially when you consider Leipzig's form as well, that following on from the World Cup. But over two legs, I'm going to have to give this one to Manchester City. In the final fixture of the round of 16 knockout stage, we see Inter host Porto. Inter play away tonight, away at Sampdoria. And I think they've been fantastic following on from the World Cup. Yet again, similar to uh, earlier when I mentioned Borussia Dortmund, they've been they had a very inconsistent start to the season. You know, conceding too many goals, were struggling going forward. But following on from the World Cup, they've been massively consistent. Now up in second place, but with the league almost being out of reach, following from following on from Napoli's form, they will consider the Champions League as something they will want to focus on in terms of reaching the latter stages. I don't think they have the quality to be possible winners, but they will target the latter stages as something uh, to, to, to focus on, obviously, with that and the Coppa Italia. They won in the Milan derby last week, and as I said earlier when speaking about AC Milan, Inter looked controlled, they looked assured, and I, there was never any doubt that they wouldn't win that game. Obviously won 1-0 thanks to Lautaro Martinez header, but believed to have gone two nil up following Martinez believed to have scored his second, but that was ruled out by VAR. But himself, Lautaro is some. If you watch the Lautaro Martinez at the World Cup, followed on to the one Inter, you would not believe they're the same player. He's really stepped up as a massive sort of talisman for, for Inter in this last season. I know there's been injuries to Lukaku, 
Dzeko hasn't really carried on the same form from last season. But he's took the armband following on from Milan Skriniar's announcement of his departure in the summer to Paris Saint-Germain. But Lautaro has really took on this this role of, of a sort of talisman for Inter now. We see him seemingly on the score sheet every week again, as mentioned earlier. But they, they, see, they find themselves in a place where they're playing brilliant football, they're scoring goals, they're not conceding like they used to earlier on in the season. And I've been impressed with them, really. Inzaghi's really getting the best out of his side, like we saw him do last season. Unfortunate to miss out on the title to Milan last season, to be honest. But I am looking forward to this fixture, especially from a Porto side, who Inter will fancy themselves against. But Porto are in brilliant form. They unfortunately do sit five points off Benfica at the top of the table, but the likes of Ottavio and Taremi are key to the success of Porto. I, th- I think they, they were also brilliant in the group stage. We saw them uh, obviously top the group, following on from Brugge's loss of form. But I think over the course of two legs, it might be comfortable for the Italian side. I can't see Porto really having much of a sniff against Inter. I think that as I say, it's about similar situation to, to Brugge where it's about getting the best out of your best players. And if the likes of Taremi and Ottavio can be involved, then they could see themselves get creating chances. But over two legs, I think Inter will boss this, especially with the form they're in. So as European football returns this week, I'm really looking forward to this round of fixtures. I think there's some fantastic games. As well as in the Europa League as well, we see... You know, a mention to the likes of Manchester United and Barcelona, which I think is a fantastic, fascinating tie. I'm really looking forward to that. But as for the Champions League, I'm thinking, as I say, there's some brilliant ties. It's interesting to see whether sides like Paris Saint-Germain can start to build up their form in the Champions League, following on from recent domestic form. Whether the likes of Manchester City can go on and beat Leipzig. I'm thinking, you know, we've got some really tasty fixtures in this round. And I'm really looking forward to that. You know, there will be all, all of the reaction, all of the build-up here on Eurofocus, so stay tuned for that and all of the latest news. But as for this week's podcast, this was the main focus in terms of the Champions League. And I mentioned in the first week, if there's any ever any feedback or anything to say about the podcast, then please get in touch via email, via message. I'm looking in the few weeks to possibly get some, some guests on as well, so you don't have to listen to my voice for a longer period of time. You know, I'm looking forward to that. But if anyone has any inquiries in terms of maybe even coming on the pod, just, as I say, get in touch via my email address, which is on the website, or via the Eurofocus Instagram. But as for this week, that is everything in terms of the Champions League. And I will see you next week with some possible reactions to these fixtures.